What up, world? Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Blazers. I am your pass-first point guard and Blazer beat writer, Mike Richmond. Well, I don't think Game 5 went how many of us were expecting, and many of you Blazer fans out there listening in internet land, probably not how you wanted this one to go. Coming into the game, to Game 5, the Blazers led the series in total points, 364-362. These teams were as even as could be. That was not the case Tuesday night at the arena that they affectionately call the Can, the Pepsi Center. It's making me think that the Blazers need a nickname for the Moda Center, but that's neither here nor there. The Nuggets smoked the Blazers, stomped them, crushed them, bullied them, any verb you want. Manhandled, I don't really like manhandled, but they handled them. It was 7-zip to start the game. Blazers showed a little bit of life. Game was tied at 18. Peace out from there. Nuggets rolled. Let us check back in. Let's go. Let's just do a quick check back in with the old Mike Richmond keys to the game from the last podcast. Your intrepid podcast host said that the Blazers needed the good Mo Harkless to show up. That was going to be the key to the game. Mo Harkless played 13 minutes tonight. Scored five points, committed three fouls, grabbed one rebound. He was not the good Mo Harkless. He was the bad or non-existent Mo Harkless. Non-existent being the worst flavor. The other key to the game? Slow down Paul Millsap. So what the Blazers do? <laughs> they let Paul Millsap go for 12 points in the first quarter. He had 19 in the first half. And they were down 18 heading into the locker room as Paul Millsap made seven of his first 10 shots and grabbed five rebounds. Paul Millsap had a whole damn game in the first half. And it was over. Nothing went right for the Blazers. So yeah, let's we'll talk a little bit about that more in detail in this first segment. I meant to set you guys up here, but you'll just you get it two minutes in. Deal with it. First two segments, we'll talk about game game five. Third segment, I want to talk about game six. Obviously, we know what's on the line, but what should we expect after what we saw at uh, at Pepsi Center tonight at the Can? So you may recall, as long as we're revisiting my greatest hits here, you may recall that. Uh, after game one, I said the solution or I, I, a solution that at least the Blazers should consider is putting Mo Harkless on Jamal Murray and putting Al Farouk Aminu on Nikola Jokic. Uh, Terry Stotts listened to part of that. I mean, he didn't. He doesn't listen to this podcast. Maybe he does. What's up, Terry? I can't imagine he has time for it in the playoffs, but maybe some other times. But he listened to part of that. He put Mo Harkless on Jamal Murray, and I thought that uh, it really helped in game two. It was it was it was a valuable adjustment. Uh, since then, Murray has gone absolutely bonkers. Uh, the only reason he didn't have a third straight thirty point game tonight is because he didn't need to play that much. He had thirty four in game three, thirty four in game four. He had eighteen tonight with Mo Harkless checking him at least a little bit. And he didn't score in the first quarter. He just took over in the final three minutes of the half. That's Those are just details I'm getting caught up in. 
The big one here is that the Blazers made an adjustment to guard Nikola Jokic tonight. They said, we're not going to let him bully us. We're going to put who they feel is their best post defender on him. And I mean, probably probably is their best post defender. I don't mean to say that in a disparaging way, but they switched Al Farouk Aminu onto, onto Jokic from the opening tip. They listened to your boy, a podcaster and <laughs> part-time writer, maybe not, um, maybe not, maybe not NBA coach material because the Blazers ate up that matchup. And it wasn't necessarily chief on Jokic. It was the repercussions of making that switch that really cost the Blazers. Uh, I thought actually in the first quarter when the game was still kind of competitive that chief played Jokic pretty well. Uh, shut him down is the wrong word. It's it, But chief made life hard on Jokic, at least in the first nine minutes of the game. He got a couple deflections. Um this was it was an effect it was at least at that at that exact point of attack it wasn't a terrible switch where it was a terrible switch is that Ennis Cantor can't guard Paul Millsap and they just took advantage of him they just set little cross screens for Millsap either to get him uh just to either to score directly off cuts or to clear him out with a little bit of space so he could just use his quickness and it's not like he's taking um Cantor out 35 feet from the rim and blown by him. They're giving him a little bit of space at 19 feet and letting him just use his 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 lateral quickness, that first step to beat Cantor. And he dominated the game. It was a disaster. But everything was a disaster tonight. So that was the first disaster. The other disaster was that the Blazers couldn't make anything. They just could not make shots. And... It was it was every, everywhere. You know, we've been kind of waiting for that Dame breakout game and in the first half. He was 7 for 12 from the floor. He had 18 in the first half, the only Blazer in double figures. He kind of got it going. But he missed two he missed three free throws in the first half. And that was kind of a sign of like what has been wrong with the Blazers. He had two and ones getting fouled shooting threes. He missed the he missed the four-point play on both of those shots. That is sort of exactly what the deal is with this team. Ennis Cantor, who had been so good early in the playoffs and was and has had some real moments in this series, had another rough night. CJ McCollum also had another rough night. He was five of sixteen, only played twenty nine minutes. Neither him or Dame played in the fourth quarter. Dame was seven of twelve at halftime. He was two for nine in the second half. The Blazers down 18 at the half. Supposed to make this charge. Find themselves down 28 heading into the fourth quarter. The game was over. So this was everything. This was this this was bad offense. This was bad defense. This was just a night where the Nuggets, if you felt like they would probably win because they're at home court, had home court, sure. But I don't think anyone could have, could say they saw this coming. And quite frankly, they looked... After Game 3, when the Blazers won in four overtimes, it was a common belief among many media guys I talked to. These people are my colleagues. I don't know why I'm trying to keep them secret. But my colleagues, talking to them... Um, a lot of people thought, this is it. The Nuggets are going to roll over. They're going to curl up. The series is over. 
The Blazers letting game four slip away with that gross third quarter where they only, where they only scored 14 points, putting themselves behind the eight ball, and now forced to win a, a road game, a road game seven, you know, two straight to escape this series. That's going to be what, what ends up costing them. And, and, and why I mentioned that four-overtime game is that they look like the team who is tired. They do not look like the team that was had this sort of big mental letdown from a tough loss that could have gone their way. They look like the team who's tired. A lot can change. Like I said, everything went wrong tonight. This was this was this was like the snowball effect. One thing went wrong, then 35 things went wrong. So I'm not ready to write this series off, but they're obviously in trouble. They're down 3-2. You put yourselves in a terrible position by getting punked in this game. When we get back, I want to talk a little bit about what the Blazers might have done differently in this game. But first, I want to tell you all about ZipRecruiter. Hiring is a challenge, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. ZipRecruiter is just a great job source. It sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans through thousands of resumes and finds people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter, get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. It's 24 hours for those of you counting at home. So right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com slash locked on. That's ziprecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N that's ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, so like I said, everything went wrong for the Blazers, but I think this was the type of game where, and I don't, like I said, I, I'm, I, am, I am a writer and podcaster. <laughs> Not an NBA coach, but I feel like this was the game uh, where Terry could have pulled the plug earlier. The the sort of tough, the stubborn Terry Stotts, the things that that um, people criticize most about him as a coach. I think they came up tonight, today. I think that's what we saw personally. Um, Alfred Kaminu, like I said, he had about eight good minutes on on Nikola Jokic, but that obviously wasn't working. It was they should have scrapped that right away. In addition to the you know, he should have moved back to Millsap and you, you kind of figure it out from there. But in addition, he was one for eight from the floor. The Nuggets just aren't really guarding him right now. If he gets above the break at the three-point line, the Nuggets are almost in the paint daring him to shoot. Now, we've seen other teams do this before, and there's been nights in the playoffs over the past two seasons, including in the first round against OKC, where Chief has punished teams who have done this. But it wasn't happening tonight. In a game like this, it would have been 
valuable for the Blazers before it got completely out of hand to just scrap the, the, that Aminu experiment. They were getting crushed on the offensive glass yet again. They could not stop Denver. In, in theory, those are chief strengths. If he's, and he wasn't, making, he wasn't making threes. He also missed five like little mid-range floater-type shots. It was just a bad night for him. But but if, if his strengths aren't showing, if he's not getting, if he's not making things tough on defense, and we've seen him play okay defense in this series. I don't think he's been bad. He was bad tonight, but I don't think he's been generally bad all series long. Tonight was just the night to pull the plug earlier and go with, with Seth Curry or, or Rodney Hood. Like, those dudes aren't going to play defense and they aren't going to rebound, but the team already wasn't playing any defense or wasn't rebounding and they couldn't score. This was the time to go, to just abandon it and go with it. Now, there's this like funny thing that happens on the internet when things start to go south is that players or that uh, fans want like some random person who hasn't played in months just to be pulled off the bench cold and come save the playoffs. Now, that's not going to happen. I don't think it's going to be Jake Lehman or Anthony Simons or Scalabissier that saves this season. That's That works in video games when players have overall ratings. It's it's not a reality here. But tonight was the night that the, that the Blazers and, and Stott specifically could have said, okay, my first adjustment didn't work. We're getting housed. How can I fix it? And I think he was slow to react. I think he could have ditched Cantor and gone with Collins. Uh, Myers Leonard came in and was fine, but it was, he, he just shot the ball a lot in, uh, in, in once the game was totally out of hand. So judging his minutes are a little bit weird in terms of like whether he could make an impact, but he might've even been worth kicking the tires on at, at this point. Like when it started to go South, it went South so fast. And Jamal Murray basically after Millsap went nuts in the opening 15 minutes, Jamal Murray in the final four minutes of the half just just destroyed the Blazers. Last three minutes and 45 seconds of the second quarter, Jamal Murray went four for four and had nine points. During that same stretch, the Blazers were two for ten. He outscored him nine six by himself in the final four minutes of the quarter. He had teammates though. They closed the, they closed the quarter on a 16-6 run. That stretch turned an eight-point game into an 18-point game. And the Blazers couldn't do anything in the third quarter. The Nuggets have been a better third quarter team the last two games. That has been a staple of the Blazers all year is that they've been a really good third quarter team, particularly Damian Lillard. And now the two most important games of the season, we haven't seen that. They squandered a lead in game four and put themselves in scramble mode. And in game five, they completely lost contact with the team, fell behind by 28 points, and now are in real trouble heading into Game 6. So yeah, I mean, I don't think this... this in the, in the same way that I don't think blaming the refs in close games is a meaningful way to consider basketball like players decide it for the most part unless there's one singular egregious call players mostly decide the games and in that same way i don't think in a blowout loss that the coach is the one that deserves all of the blame blazers two best players combined to go 14 for 37 from the floor they were a com- 
CJ McCollum was a minus 25. Damian Lillard was a minus 22. They got smoked when those two dudes were on the court. This wasn't about Terry Stotts not subbing in Zach Collins fast enough. That certainly played a role. Sticking with Alfa Rukamino too long maybe played a role in tonight's loss. But he didn't, out there and shoot, he didn't go out there and shoot all those bricks. He didn't go out there and get crushed on the glass. He didn't go out there and not catch Jamal Murray in transition. You can only coach so much. I've said this before, but I feel like when the game starts, what, what coaches mostly do is decide who plays together. They don't decide who plays hard or who plays well. They just decide the pairings. So you can criticize a coach for not picking the right guys, which I have in this segment, and I stand behind it. But the Blazers players suck tonight. Along with the coaching staff. It was a bad night for everybody. Here's the good news. The Blazers come back to the Moda Center on Thursday. It ain't over. It feels over. But it felt over after Game 3 too. Game 3 as well. In a different direction. So... When we get back for that third segment, I want to talk about Game 6. We know what's on the line, but what should we expect from this group? All right. Still locked on Blazer, still Mike Richmond. Jamal Murray pump faked, stepped under Al Farouk Aminu, scooped in a layup, and then licked his fingers as if to say, barbecue chicken. A nod to Shaquille O'Neal, a very large man who talks on TNT. Sometimes gets angry at another large man named Charles Barkley. You should check out their television show. Jamal Murray has been really good. I've talked about it a bunch. He's the linchpin. He's the He's the key. For the Nuggets. When he's been good, they don't lose. The first the, the only time he's been good and they lost, the game went four MF overtimes. So yeah. There's been a lot of barbecue chicken. He's been feasting. When Wancho Hernan Gomez came in in garbage time and hit a corner three-pointer, he turned around to the Nuggets bench in the run of play while the game was still going on shimmied danced and cackled laughed as he ran back down the floor i mentioned these things because they're fun little images from an nba game but also to me this game felt like the nuggets kind of figured the blazers out they've done a really good job against damian lillard I think we're all who've watched him play a bunch of games are waiting for him to have the game again. I don't know if that's coming, guys. After watching tonight's game when Dame was pretty good, at least like shooting the ball, except for the free throw thing, I mean, he's, he's, he's obviously a little wonky there, but like he had a good half. Before things got totally out of control, it wasn't you know it wasn't his fault necessarily um, on that in the first half offensively. 
I don't think it's I don't think the onslaught is coming. I don't I don't see a 45 point game where he shoots 60% from the field against this Nuggets team. They're too locked in on what they need to do and the guys who are guarding him can just guard him, can just focus on doing that. Tory Craig, he doesn't need to score that much. Gary Harris is getting all his points off just random cuts. Spot a handful of spot up shots and random cuts. They're not he's not running a thousand pick and rolls. He's not he's his energy is locking up Dame and CJ. Same with Tory Craig. Now Dame can get loose against a lot of teams, but the playoffs are different. They know what he wants to do, they know what they want to do, and they've got two guys on the wings who are committed to making his life tough. I think the Blazers can win if he doesn't have a forty five point game. But they need to do a lot of things right that they have not done right in the last two games. And they need their stars, quite frankly, to play like stars. Maybe not superstars, maybe not the sort of Hall of Fame level type games that Dame had in the first round against Oklahoma City. But they need him to be really good. They need CJ McCollum to be really good. And they've got to find a way to slow the Nuggets down offensively a little bit. Not a ton, but the last two games, it seems like the Nuggets have have really figured out how to score when they need buckets. And I, it just feels like Denver has solved the riddle. They've cracked the code. The, there's, you know, there's a hole in the levee. So what do I expect in game six? Certainly don't expect a Blazer blowout. But I don't think they'll get blown out either. I don't think this team rolls over. I also think we could see 48 minutes of Damian Lillard. (laughs) I think there's an outside chance he plays wire to wire. The Blazers have been blasted out of the playoffs a few other times. The last couple seasons. So it's not like this would be the shocking thing if they kind of got rolled in an elimination game. They're not, um, they don't have this strong history of always going down to the absolute wire. In fact, prior to this postseason, they had a history of wilting in the playoffs. But I think this group and this Cinderella run feels like losing game four kind of took a little bit of wind out of their sails. And whether that's mental or actually just physical, if they're just actually tired this deep into the season, that this group is just out of gas probably playing a little bit over their heads for six weeks. Like, it, it would make sense to me if, the, if, the, if they're tired. Now, they're not going to admit it. It's, none of these dudes are like that. I mean, Evan Turner's kind of like that. He might admit it quietly. But Dame would never make that excuse. CJ would never do that. I'm, certainly not in, like, the podium setting where they're going to be up talking to the world. But it kind of feels like this group's exhausted. But it also kind of feels like, in some ways, Game 5 went so bad that they can't play any worse. And that all of the other games, all of the other data beyond this, up before this point, before this night, suggests that these two teams are really even. And that the Blazers are, you know, maybe... Uh, a point or two worse than the Nuggets, even if they were two points ahead coming into the night. 
So I expect a really close game. I expect a hard-fought game. I expect a whole bunch of Damian Lillard. If not efficient, I expect a forceful night from him. And I expect CJ to bounce back. He's been the Blazers' best player for a lot of this series. But I don't think the Blazers are going to figure out how to... Maybe not figure out is the wrong word. I don't think the Blazers are going to have the personnel to guard these Nuggets come Thursday. Something weird happens on Wednesday. I just don't think they're going to show up with with someone who can guard Nikola Jokic and who can slow down Paul Millsap, who can track Jamal Murray on pick and rolls. I don't think they have that personnel on the roster. I'm I'm certain, actually. They can make things a little tougher on them, but they're going to win this game on offense. I expect a game that kind of looks like game one. Maybe not the hot shooting, but a high-scoring game. I expect this this Blazers group to be tough. If this is the last time we see them on Thursday, I expect that they'll I expect a gritty game from them. I appreciate all you guys for listening. You can tell your pals about Locked On Blazers. Please do. Tell them that there's a Blazer podcast that you enjoy, and they should check it out. And they can find it on Google Play. Apple Podcasts and iTunes, Spotify and Stitcher. And they can always tell their smart device, play podcast Lockdown Blazers. Especially when they get in their car. Make it part of your daily routine. Tell them to make it part of theirs too. Whatever happens in game six, it'll tell us a lot about this team. Um, It could be the end of what has been a really special season for the Blazers. Or it could force the most exciting thing in sports. A game seven. Should be a lot of fun. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening.